Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. We can regurgitate the same tactics, techniques, tips, all these type things over and over, but there's some very important things that are going to keep us on the mountain longer. I feel like hunters should be ambassadors for healthy eating. I think that we have this all wrong. He's going to go, and he's got to go, and if he doesn't, it's like a crack addict. It's I'm not even kidding you. You know, we've gotten to a point where we're so busy. Our society is just a buzz. You work your butt off to get that meat. Why are you going through McDonald's? The idea with the Western Hunting Summit is to try to go through all these little things that are going to help you. I'm Dr. Hillary Lampers. And I'm Ryan Lampers. And we are on the Wild Initiative Podcast. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I'd have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, yo, welcome to episode 121 of The Wild Initiative. The Wild Initiative is brought to you in part by the Go Wild app. All right, y'all, you have been listening to me talk about the Go Wild app for the past several weeks. You've heard about some of my favorite features, the things I love about the app, but really, I'm just going to lay it out again for you here straight. The Go Wild app is the fastest growing. It is the ultimate app for all y'all who love hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. Yes, if you really want to generalize it, Go Wild is a social media app it's the social part is a huge aspect of it but it is so different from say like facebook or instagram there is a true community and i have never seen such engagement with my posts whether you're just simply asking a question maybe you're sharing a hunt a harvest photo or just checking out cool content i've never seen anything like the community you find on go wild go wild has pretty much the best giveaways in the industry and they are happening constantly. They've given away full sets of camo, swag, coolers. Just recently, they gave away like, a, I think, like $700 Garmin watch. 
Y'all, an app, a community does not get better than what you find on Go Wild. And the best part is it is absolutely free to you. There is no membership fees. There's nothing you have to pay. All you need to do is download the app and you create your profile and you're in this awesome community. So really, there is no downside. At minimum, y'all need to go check it out. Head on over to thewildinitiative.com slash wild. You can check out my profile and all the stuff I've tracked and shared, and you can download the app from there. Again, that's thewildinitiative.com slash gowild. Check out my profile, download the app. And y'all, I want to give a huge shout out to Sawyer Products for their continued support of the podcast. Sawyer really has been a long-term supporter of the Wild Initiative and Living Country in the City. And just a huge thank you to them. Make sure y'all check out their website at sawyer.com. You can find the best products when it comes to water filtration, insect repellent, sunscreen, and first aid. Y'all, I use this stuff constantly. I've used it almost every day on my trip so far. So make sure y'all head on over to Sawyer.com and check them out. As a reminder, if you are a fan of the podcast, if you really enjoy all of the content I'm putting out, make sure you just take a moment, even if you don't think you can contribute, to head on over to my support page. That's thewildinitiative.com slash support. There are lots of simple suggestions on how you can really contribute and help out with what I'm doing here with the Wild Initiative. Even stuff just as simple as heading on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leaving a quick rating or review helps a ton. Making sure you're subscribed to the podcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel. But if you really, really want to take that next step, become part of the Wild Initiative family, make sure you check out my Patreon page. It's linked there from my support page, or you can head on over to patreon.com slash the Wild Initiative. Some really awesome rewards, and you get these rewards even with a contribution of just $1 a month. That's $12 a year. Uh, There's options for decals, hats, uh, special stuff that only my Patreon subscribers can get access to, including your own private podcast feed, which is 100% ad-free, which, to be honest, I think is the hands-down most valuable reward. There's a ton of you that listen uh, to this podcast every month, and honestly, if even just half of you headed on over to the Patreon page and committed to contributing just $1 a month, it would help me grow this podcast a crazy amount. So make sure y'all check that out. All right, y'all, on to today's episode. I have been on my elk hunt, and unfortunately, while I've been on my hunt, I ended up messing up my ankle a little bit. My Achilles tendon got pretty crunchy and really uh, swole up pretty bad. In addition to that, I'm kind of in and out of the mountains. I still have project work that I need to be doing, so I took uh, several days and I stayed with the stealthy hunter himself, Ryan Lampers, and his wife, Doc Hillary Lampers. And they were kind enough to put this California hunting hobo up for several days. And I could not be more grateful to them. 
on one of our nights, we uh, sat back, we were having a good time, and we decided to throw on the headsets and record an episode. And we really go through a lot of stuff about just how, as hunters and people in general, we can live more healthy and fulfilling lives. And then we also talk about a really exciting project that we're working on together. I'm helping them out with the website for uh, Western Hunting Summit 2020. It is coming back for folks, when we talk all about that. And uh, so you really want to make sure you check out this episode, especially those of you who really want to learn how to be more consistently successful in the backcountry, find out about Western Hunting Summit. So without further ado, episode 121 with the Stealthy Hunter, Ryan Lampers and Doc Hillary Lampers. Well, y'all, we are here. I am out here in Three Forks, Montana, at my new home. I've officially moved in. Oh, my gosh. Um, I think you have. Our older daughter was a little concerned yesterday when she said, how long are you staying? And you said, I'm living here now. Don't you know that? And she was like, really? <laughs> she was like, she was kind of like not sure if she was believing me or not, but she's like, I just need to like know if I've got a, like a, a new house guest. Um but yes, I'm here in Three Forks, Montana with Doc Hillary and the st- healthy hunter, yep. <laughs> Ryan That's Lampers right. and Hillary Lampers. It's the healthy. It's like a Jim healthy. Carrey movie. Healthy. Um, well, you got to make sure people spell it right. So you I know. To... People spell it wrong. Actually, people spell it right. Their spell check checks it for them and spells it wrong. So that's usually yeah. where we have the problem. There you go. But I am I'm out here on my elk hunt, and some of my plans fell through. And Ryan and Hillary have been kind enough to let this California hunting hobo, uh, who also has a had a giant swollen ankle for several days come <laughs> <laughs> rest his rest his weary head for a few days uh yeah i saw a trash can and epsom salts <laughs> yeah. i know and i saw that too your computer, i was like what's yeah, going on here are you constipated <laughs> are you drinking <laughs> some epsom salts i didn't know i'm not drinking the epsom salts i'm soaking my ankle in them um <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny because I leave every morning at the same time for work, and Sam is, you are sitting at the same spot at the counter with your computer, and I come back at night, and you're sitting at the same spot at the computer, and I'm like, though, in fairness, eight to ten hours gone by, or, and you say, no, here I am. You're working, granted, and you're working for us, too, Mm -hmm. so granted. Um, but yeah, you've you've made a nice little cubby there at the counter with your Epsom salt. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes good. the foot is in the, tra- the garbage can or whatever that is. Sometimes I it's haven't not. yet actually seen the foot in the garbage can. In, in fairness, there is a little bit of proof. When you leave, I'm typically in a giant pair of fuzzy deer pajamas. You pajama are. Pants. Sometime throughout and the morning, he di- he disappears and comes out not in those jammies anymore. With a, with a pair of jeans, but typically the same <laughs> shirt that I've been wearing for three days. Mm. But um, I always like to start about the podcast. You know, I, I love introducing people to the outdoors, to hunting. And a lot of the people that listen are people that did not grow up in the outdoors. You know, they're not walking through... You know, the fields with granddad's gun. Um, 
So I, I always just like to hear from a variety of people how they got their introduction to the outdoors or hunting or whether it's farming or whatever that happens to be. So um, we'd just love to hear from the both of you how you were introduced to the outdoors originally. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I was not one of those kids that is like an adult onset. I, I was raised right out of the gates. My my whole family was into hunting. My dad was very into hunting. Um, I think uh, I think in the early days, like he used to do a ton of bird hunting, like a lot of upland game, um, more so than big game. To be quite honest, he uh, he really wasn't into big game as much back then. But you know, he would come back with um, I don't know why, but he'd come back with. He'd put all his birds in a sleeping bag. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but I remember when I was a kid, he'd he'd come back and he'd you know come home and drove a little tiny Toyota truck and he would uh, haul that old gold colored sleeping bag in the house and he'd open it up and there'd be all his birds from the the weekend trip. You know, a bunch of pheasant and quail and chucker and huns and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, that was my kind of my introduction. I got to see him come back with stuff all the time. So I had like this extreme want to go do that stuff, but he never took me. Like he didn't take me, didn't take me, didn't take me until I was about 10. And then I, you know, you finally pass that hunter safety course and you get the opportunity to go. And then you want it so bad that like never leaves. You just, you got that desire to do it. But um, really heavy into the fishing as a kid. Again, everything comes from my dad. So um, I think Hill is significantly different than, than my childhood when it comes to the outdoors. Um, it was just my entire family between uncles, grandparents, um, and my father. My mother wasn't into it so much, but a uh, very big, big part of our life. So that's how I got introduced to it. Well, my childhood wasn't much different as far as the outdoors. I actually grew up here in Montana. And when I was a kid, we would go camping in Yellowstone. That was pretty common. We'd go fishing in the lakes there. Um, as far as hunting, I wasn't really exposed to hunting until I was a teenager. And my stepfather at the time was a Native American, and he hunted um, a few times when I was a younger teenager. And my mother and I would clean the meat up and package the meat up. And this was mainly out of necessity for food, truthfully. And then when I got to become an older teenager, he just decided that he didn't want to hunt anymore. And he stopped that, and he gave all his weapons away. And um, I would say that they, my parents turned more anti-hunting. It was, a, it was an interesting change at that time. But truthfully, when I met Ryan, he was really the first person that I met that introduced me to what I call the real hunting, you know, like a family that basically everything in their life revolved around hunting, fishing, and work. Um, so yeah. so then getting, you know, when you met Ryan and, you know, you kind of learned what he did and his family did and, uh -huh. I guess, your style of hunting. Mm -hmm. um, 
what what was it that drew you to that? Like, what uh, what did you see in that that <laughs> well, that was really different? hunting didn't draw me that to Ryan. That is what well, drew her to me. Well, it was all my hunting skills. I've, yeah. When I met Ryan, Ryan was a fly fishing guide in Alaska. He was yeah. twenty one. He was a baby-faced, shy boy I saw, who I saw was the literally pictures. afraid to talk to me. Um, well, but yeah. he was also so. Hot girls are hard to talk to. <laughs> I, I think the mystique works. of Ryan, and if you know Ryan or you've seen him through social media or whatever, the mystique that Ryan has now, he's always had. Um, I think it's really. Um, his ability to be cool under pressure, uh, to really love. I mean, he really, really loves the outdoors. I mean, I'm, now that I'm around the hunting industry, I meet people that have passion for it. But I have still never met anybody, with maybe the exception of his father, is that his dad's passion for fishing and hunting I mean, they they have this thing that just draws them to the outdoors, and and me not having been around that type of energy before, it was very intriguing. So I think that what drew me to him was more of that. He was also very straight laced and good. He didn't <laughs> so drink. Good. So good. <laughs> he didn't drink. He didn't. Um, no, I mean, I'm sitting here drinking moonshine right now, and he's looking at me like I'm crazy, and, you know. I've got some Enduro in my <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here. and. and We were having discussions earlier. <laughs> had, you know, you're like nine cups of coffee. Well, I should say it's three cups of coffee, but each of the, each of those cups is about the size of a. Very strong. It's very about, big. Yeah, about the size of, like, three normal yeah. versions of coffee. And that's the thing. Like, I don't have any vices. I don't smoke or drink or chew or just none of that stuff just i mean even caffeine well you don't see me. him get jacked up and he's had no. three cups of six nine cups of coffee but I, weird. I do love coffee so if i have a vice <laughs> in life it's it's coffee for sure yeah so what is it that you know hills kind of talked about uh, a lot of one of the many things that kind of drew her to you was um was this passion for the outdoors was how much you love it and uh, i mean probably one of the most important things to you um especially at the time i mean you know i don't i don't know if it's something you can even really summarize but what is it about the outdoors like yeah that's a good question um i don't know i it really is hard to kind of define or explain um it's just something that's there, you know, I think. Like he'll mention with my dad, he, uh, that's, his world revolves around it um, as far as he's really, he's really into fishing more. He always has been. Um, he, we're, we share same, similar interests in gardening. Um, I used to hate gardening, though. <laughs> I absolutely used to hate it. I and you used I, to love fishing, though. I used to I love mean, fishing you were a, a lot. You were a fisherman um, when I met you, not a big game hunter. Yeah, I used to hunt birds a lot and uh, dabbled in big game, you know, deer every year, of course, but um, not so much, you know, not even close to what I do now. But um, gardening is funny. Growing up, you know, with my father, we both loved fishing. And, my, you know, my dad would still say to this day, he's, if you had to pick one, he'd pick fishing every time. And I'm the opposite. I would def definitely take, take you know, taking off and going hunting in the mountains versus, um, 
going out in the Puget Sound and, and chasing salmon or steelheading on the rivers. I take hunting every time. We're different there, but um, just same passions, but a little bit different. Our gardening interests, I used to hate gardening. I used to absolutely <laughs> hate it. I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out um, why a guy would want to spend time growing stuff and pulling weeds when you could be out steelheading on a river. It just didn't make sense to me, and I used to make fun of them all the time. And then, I don't know. You get, I think you're you kind of cheap you get, by nature. And <laughs> you started figuring out that like like food, well, no, like what meat, I ha- what happened was I married a very health-conscious yeah, lady I was here. more into gardening than he was when we got married. I, I was more into the, like... Well, she's very into, like, very organic everything, and yeah. I didn't used to be that way. And, you, I mean, we've all seen the prices of organic produce Jeez, in the store, yeah. right? Yeah. So growing it yourself is very cheap. Now it's time-consuming, but it's addicting. Once you get into it, um, you know, flavor profiles of everything that you grow yourself is so much better than what you buy in a store. I mean, go try to find a store-bought tomato that's actually got taste to it or a carrot. So... Yeah, my interest changed a lot. I uh, I really got into gardening. I think, you know, with the kids as well, it's it's definitely progressed. Um, but food has always been, whether it's going out and picking mushrooms um, or, you know, working the garden or hunting or fishing for food, um, that's kind of what drives me, a lot of me, to do these certain activities that I love to do now. But... Um, yeah, it really is hard to define. I don't know. I don't know what calls me to the mountains. I just know I need to be there, and I love it so up there. So I have I, a theory. I do really well the up there The pheromones of the mountains call Ryan in, <laughs> and then his pheromones call in the animals to their death. Mm. It's like <laughs> when the fall <laughs> hits. Well, now great. it's not just the fall. It's like uh, every season of the year. But it used to be like the fall would hit, and you would just, there's just this like, pull that he has and you could just see it in his face it's like he's gonna go and he's gotta go and if he doesn't it's like a crack addict it's (laughs) i'm not even kidding you and any woman out there who's married to a guy like him absolutely knows what i'm talking about yeah and that's a big part of it and that i think um again it's hard to explain for myself but um i really like challenging myself uh that little bit of danger i think uh, there's always a sense of that and just knowing that i can overcome and like this is this, this is so much fun these things that we do whether it's fishing or hiking or camping or hunting and and we enjoy it so much you want these people that haven't had access to it to enjoy it just as much maybe they just haven't seen it they haven't been um exposed to it yet um yeah, there's definitely a lot of value in that just by. Yeah, you know, I I have gained so much from this community that, you know, everyone knows my story. If you listen to our podcast, but, you know, people people share things with us all the time and not just maybe learning to hunt, provide for their family, give to 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 grow food or to to bring food home um, from the harvest. But, you know, like their health and. And I think that's the thing as you get older. You know, I tell patients all the time, like 22-year-old patients, and they're in front of me, and they're not taking care of themselves. I'm like, you know, barring any horrible circumstance, you are going to be my age someday. (laughs) And you probably want to feel good. 
Like you want to feel like I feel at my age, right? But that takes a lot of work. And so you have to do the work. And it's, it's like that as you get older, you start to realize like all those things your parents and your grandparents said to you that you thought were so crazy. And, and you go, it's so true. You know, it's like now you see fewer years in front of you than you see behind you. And people are realizing that, you know, they want to feel better and they want to make better lifestyle choices. And so would you say that's kind of but, what Hunt Harvest Health is about is filling out your life a little bit and making better mm-hmm. lifestyle choices? Where where did that what's the idea behind Hunt Harvest Health? So I I guess I came up with it. I thought it would be really cool if well, when it comes to like the podcast, um, yeah. you know, like I say, her her community was very different than mine. Um, I've I've tried explaining what I do with her community, and I think it's really cool. My community, if I want to call it my community, the hunters type, outdoorsy type people, um, see the benefits of what her c- community provides, which is health. Um, and a different kind of lifestyle. And so when we did this podcast, it just seemed like, well, it's kind of a good fit. I don't know how hunters are going to take this, all this health talk. <laughs> I was like, but, uh, I don't think hunters want to listen to <laughs> but me But I talk. think a lot of hunters are like me, and we love it so much, we want to be able to do it until yeah. we're 80. It's kind of like we say that all the time. Um, we don't want to have to stop doing this when we're 50. I mean, Crud, I'm 45 right now. I'm getting close to that. Sorry, man. You only got five years left. <laughs> no. Better make the most of it. I want to be able to do this till I'm extremely old. Um, and to be able to do that, you got to take care of yourself. And that's through food, exercise, just health, everything. So, um, you know, my wife will sit there and talk about all these important issues that doesn't really get talked about in the hunt commu- hunting community. We can, we can regurgitate the same hunt talk you know, mm-hmm. tactics, techniques, tips, all these type things over and over. But there's some very important things that are going to keep us on the mountain longer, health-related things that she's a book of knowledge on that are very helpful for my community. And I thought it would be interesting to, to run with that. I think she was a little hesitant in the beginning, like, why would these hunters want to hear about blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we started talking about, things that guys want to hear about like testosterone super important things worse than women and their hormones (laughs) men and their testosterone (laughs) there's so many different health topics that um you know we all have to deal with um they're always going to be there and so um surprisingly a lot of people have kind of glommed on to um tying those together the hunting with the health and it should all be we should all be ambassadors for healthy eating and food and any anything um when we're hunters anyway, um, we should be leading the charge in eating right, eating healthy, wild game, this and that. Well, but, it's so interdependent on each other. It's, you know, because we, we all, a lot of people ever, you know, how many times do you hear, oh, the organic meat, the organic meat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's healthy, it's lean, it's this and that. And, but it's even more than that. It's, it's interconnected in the way, like, you know, you're going out on the mountain. You want to be prepared. You want to be eating clean before that. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, the other day I was out with Brian Barney. Yeah. What did, we, what did we eat just before that? I think I had a pulled pork, a very greasy pulled pork sandwich. He had a big old burger. We each had a beer. 
And we decided it would be a great idea to go on a, you know, to go gain 1,500 feet in altitude (laughs) over the course of like a mile and a half. I don't know. Brian Barney and might be well conditioned for that. Though. I was going to say Brian Barney's a mountain goat, but me on the <laughs> with a wrecked Achilles, I don't know. Yeah, I mean I'm in bad enough shape as it is, but you know we were both kind of laughing because we're like, yeah, that was. We walked down. We were both kind of our guts were rumbling a bit, and we're like, that was not a wise, I wise pre-hunt meal. <laughs> I mean, but it, it it's just it's all so interconnected. It's a you know it's a big loop. You know, eating well and then going out and harvesting that food. And it's it's really a critical thing because, you know, I mean, not talking down on anyone, but this isn't this isn't sitting in a tree stand all day. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, just uh, walking, walking through a flat wooded area trying to hunt deer. There's some, there's a little bit of effort involved in, say, elk oh, yeah. hunting or high country mule deer hunting. Yeah, or? western hunting is difficult. I mean, it doesn't have to be. You can obviously hop on a quad and probably get an animal every year if you if you know where to look. But um, if you want to do it in a way that adds adventure and a lot more challenge, you kind of have to be in shape, especially out here in the west, because these mountains are steep and. Sometimes to get away from, you know, when you're on public land, you got to get away from people to have success or consistent success. And uh, to do that, you got to venture far and wide into those mountains and spend time back there. So you got to be conditioned and it's going to be miserable if you're not conditioned or if you went into the season eating like crap and it was just, you know, a steady diet of fast food, you're not going to perform well up there. And um, it's interesting. I still hear people say, well, you don't have to be, you know, health nut. You don't have to run marathons to to hunt. Of course not. You don't. But if you want to do it in a certain way, what's the damage of going and doing it that way? Like, what's it going to hurt to stay in Mm -hmm. good shape, eat right? It's not going to hurt you at all. It's actually going to help you. And it allows you to push farther. And you're going to have that extra comfort. Like, you're not going to be hurting and sore every day. I know if I wake up on the mountain and I'm sore, I may think twice about going down, dropping 2,000 feet, and going for that animal. Well, I've always said, I think I've said lately, is I always, I feel like hunters should be ambassadors for healthy eating. I think that we have this all wrong, that in the health community that I'm from, you know, you're right. You talk about grass-fed beef and wild-caught salmon and... um, but they're not hunting and they're not fishing. They're buying these things from Whole Foods or box, you know, boxed meat meat programs or whatever, um, or they're local farmers. But hunters are actually the ones who are doing this. And I feel like it shouldn't be the health community telling people they should be eating healthy food. The hunting community should be the community that's emulating what they preach. Um, or what they talk about and and having been well you know it's a I have no idea about mi- midwestern hunting because I'm not involved with that and my husband doesn't do that he's a western game hunter and I see how hard he works I see the shape he needs to be in I see the food he needs to eat and what he prepares so you know I'm probably just a little bit biased and I understand that the majority of the hunting population in the United States is whitetail hunters and you know midwest hunters and turkey hunters and stuff like that and and like you said you know no insults you know here but 
even those guys, you know, it's like we should be we should be the movement of people that are changing the food situation in this country mm-hmm. because we want to hunt. We want to have the right to hunt. We want to have the right to procure the best meat on the planet. Yet we want to eat a bunch of garbage while we're doing it. It doesn't yeah. make sense. And so if we want to show the lefties or the tree huggers or the greenies or whatever you want to call these people, we want to show them the Californians. We love Californians. We have one in our house right now. Um, No, but I mean, if, if we want to show that this is what we are talking about, like we need to practice what we preach. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like, it's like listening to um, Shane Mahoney, Shane Mahoney. I mean, I'm sorry. There's people out there that say they don't like Shane Mahoney, but you got problems if you don't like. If Shane you don't Mahoney. like, we had this discussion Mahoney. earlier. Uh, yeah, and I. If you don't like Shane Mahoney, yeah, you just need to go away. If you don't like <laughs> Shane Mahoney, please leave a comment on this podcast and tell me why. And I, I am totally like stupid when it comes to a lot of stuff in hunting because I don't hunt. And I'm the first to raise my hand here and say I'm not ever going to tell a hunter what to do because I don't hunt. I'm just married to one of the best Western hunters in the United States right now, hands down, that people know, and there's lots of them out there. But I've listened to Shane Mahoney multiple times, and I've heard him talk about the food situation and the wild game initiatives that he does to show that this is a very important piece of our heritage and of our nutrition And that if we were to outlaw hunting and we were to stop these activities, not only would the wildlife be in crisis as far as, like, not being controlled, we would lose, I don't know how many millions or thousands, millions of tons of meat that are feeding people. Mm -hmm. Okay? So don't let these greenies over here tell you what to do. But if you don't want them to tell you what to do to be healthy, like, live it. Do it. Make your whole Eat life some vegetables. About like, and you know, I am not an elitist with that. I used to be. I used to be a real elitist, like, oh, if you eat this, you're like a bad person. And I've learned. I've gotten older. And here, it's. I always tell people now, enjoy your life. Don't destroy your life. That means if you want to have a drink once in a while, if that makes you feel good and great, have a drink. But don't have a a bottle of wine every single night. It's not helping your health unless maybe you live in Italy and like every, I don't know, those people over there, I don't quite understand it because they can have a <laughs> bottle of wine every night and they live to be 100, but I don't know. But I mean, or like a cigar or whatever. Okay, you can have a cigar once in a while, but you know, probably having a cigar all the time, it's not good for you. We know that. It's, you know, cigarettes, all these things. Like be an example and you can still do things in moderation. You can still enjoy your life. You can still go to Dairy Queen, Randy Newberg, once in a while. But like, don't don't <laughs> uh, be Randy doing got it. Me on that kick, I actually yeah, had a like handing out dilly bars at the tack <laughs> events and all this. You know that my kids are mm. like now screaming for every day. Well, we got a we got a dilly bar. We got to go get another one. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm just saying. Is like I really feel like the hunting community should should be at the top of this. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like now we, we've kind of talked about, like, the other side of the plate as well. Because, you know, we hunt, but we also – I love gardening. It's become one of my yeah. favorite things to do. 
So growing, growing things and filling that other side, knowing where, you know, you've heard the phrase, the old cliche, you know where your food comes from. You've heard it a billion times. Um, it's nice knowing where the entire plate came from. And so growing it ourselves, doing that as much as possible, you're still limited. I mean, heck, we're in Montana now. Our season, our, our growing season got pretty short. <laughs> but oh, um, yeah. all Especially that stuff, this year. Yeah, no kidding. We've already had a freeze. But, um, yeah, she's, she's completely right as far as, you know, being ambassadors for healthy living, healthy food, um, about knowing where it comes from. We need to do more as far as the rest of our Food is our everything. Well. It's everything. Every single person I sit down with at work, every single person that has a problem, it's the foundation of everything. It's like it's the medicine. You know, Socrates talked about this. Like if you're not addressing your food, you're missing like the huge elephant in the room. You know, I could give you so many medications or supplements or pills or like I don't know what hormones, whatever. You They're have band-aids. to be you have to be aware of your diet. It's essential. And um a lot of that comes down to being in control of your food. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break right here so I can introduce you to the fine folks over at Live Bearded. Y'all, I have always been skeptical of beard oils, beard products, and I couldn't find anything that works for me. I have a really wiry, scraggly beard when it gets longer, and generally I look like a homeless guy. And nothing really worked to tame it until the guys over at Live Bearded sent me up with a sample pack. The beard wash, the oil, and the cream, it all works together to get your beard clean and healthy looking And let's face it, it smells great. And we're talking manly and earthy here, not some weird fruity scents. So if you or your significant other has a mane that needs to be tamed, make sure y'all head on over to Live Bearded. And as a special offer to my podcast listeners, I've got a code for you, TWI10, that'll get you 10% off your orders. On top of that, Live Bearded is giving away $10,000 in cash. And every $5 you spend on the Live Bearded website is an entry. Think about all of the tags you can buy with $10,000 in cash. So head on over to livebearded.com, use code TWI10 to get 10% off your order and get entered to win that $10,000 prize and spend it all on hunting tags. So say somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know, I hear what you're telling me, you know, I get what you're laying down, but... I, you know, where do I even start? Because taking this on is like suddenly like, okay, nope, I need my lifestyle to be completely different. You know, it just doesn't, you can't flip that switch all the time. What are, like, where where can somebody start with their, I mean, with their physical health, with their, you know, what they're eating? Like, what are some initial steps? Oh, boy, that's a big one. Um, that's a loaded I question. I get a lot right of emails. That, that's, like a, that's like a huge umbrella question, and I do get emails. People are like, okay, I need to get healthier. What do I do <laughs> do for I my do? diet? And I'm like, holy crap, that's a huge question. Well, because maybe what, what are your genetics? What are some directions where, some people should be focusing on 
I uh, think things to just eliminate. Are we talking to hunters here or people that don't hunt? Well, let's let's focus on hunters. Just, okay. I mean, yeah. um, I think, as a, as a I think eliminating um, certain foods is going to be the easiest way to explain. You know, eliminating <laughs> or starting to decrease them. Yeah, decreasing your sugar intake, for example. Yeah. Sugar is just it's a killer. Um, inflammation kills. Sugar causes inflammation. It's it's really bad for you. Um, cutting that down, maybe not out, but down, way down, um, processed foods, trying to eliminate getting your daily out of a box, out of a, you know, going for real, actual real foods, you know, meats, vegetables, um, fruits, those type things. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, doesn't have to be complete. 100 percent cut out all sugars and don't have a treat because we sure i know we sure don't live like that i mean we i mean you've been we here have with pizzas us and we, we see like my daughter won't eat anything but she's like we'll eat a burrito so i'm like <laughs> okay a bean burrito it is you know yeah. i mean but trying yeah. to just eliminate certain things and add certain things slowly um so it's not so drastic i think if you go drastic out of the gates if you're if you haven't lived like that it's going to be difficult um, just baby steps, and obviously my wife can answer this be- a lot better than me. She's a physician, so she can talk about. <laughs> I'm nutrition. actually the least of the food Nazi. You're the one, and you're a little bit more than I am at this point. You know, I mean, this is what I, I think as I get older, and as, actually having children kind of changes the game because when you're an adult and you're feeding yourself. Like, we could be really strict. Like, Ryan and I, if we wanted, we could, like, cut out all the sugars. We we did, like, we've done gluten-free, mm-hmm. dairy-free. I've done keto. We've been, like, really. Then you have kids. And you have a kid who will not eat anything you put in front of them healthy. I don't like zucchini. I don't like squash. I don't like avocados. I don't like <laughs> eggs. And we have fresh chicken eggs right yeah. here. <laughs> It makes me throw up. I won't eat that. So what do you do? You know, you struggle and you start to learn like, okay. And then, and then some points you just like, I need them to eat some food. And so, you know, I understand the plight of parenthood. It's really difficult. But if we're talking about like yourself minus that, I say like the, the first thing to think about is like, how do you actually feel when you eat food? I think so many people are disconnected from how they feel. So they're used to, I don't know what they're eating in the morning, you know, garbage food or too much carbohydrate or whatever. They're not connecting how they feel with food. And so what I always tell patients is like, well, how do you feel when you eat that food? They're like, oh, I know I shouldn't eat gluten, but I eat gluten. And I say, well, how do you feel when you eat gluten? Do you feel bad when you eat gluten? Well, no. Well, so why do you think gluten's bad? Well, because they said gluten's bad for me. And I was like, well, do you feel bad eating gluten? I don't think so. Okay, well, here's the deal. Like, don't eat gluten, like, all day long. But if you have a little bit, bit of gluten and you don't feel like it's making you feel bad, that's one thing. But if you get a headache and you get bloated and you get constipation and you get emotional and you can't get out of bed and you're eating gluten and sugar and dairy and all these things, we have to cut it out, right? But people are so disconnected from the way they feel when they eat something. I think the difference with Ryan and Does I now... Does anybody ever feel good? Like, like, 
Somebody pulls up to McDonald's and grabs a couple of Big Macs people and don't a bunch of realize fries how they feel. I think a lot of people get. are used to feeling lousy. And it, isn't everybody you, you feel get that bad immediate after that? like well, you get a jolt bit of pleasure, and then they'll be the first ones to admit, like, "Oh man, I should have eaten that whole thing." And then yeah. they forget it the next time they hop in that McDonald's line. Right? Well, I well, mean, it's lazy. It's, it's convenience and. Well, this is the other thing is, again, if we're talking to hunters here, it's like, you work your butt off to get that meat. Why are you going through McDonald's? <laughs> you you yep. killed that animal. Like, you, f- you went in and found that animal to f- start with. You packed all your gear. You spent a year buying your gear, getting it ready, packing your truck, packing it on your in your backpack. Every little ounce is measured and wrote on a whiteboard. Like, and then you put it in your bag, and then you hike it up 20 miles, and you set up your camp, and then you go in and you kill this animal. You spend all night dressing out this animal, hanging its meat up in a tree. Like, am I forgetting anything here? Like, I'm, I'm probably forgetting a million things. The uphill pack out and then and out oh yeah ways. and the pack so, out somehow you managed to go uphill <laughs> on the way in and the way out and right. i still don't know how that works well, but. three days like an elk ryan if he kills an elk in idaho he just killed an elk he had three days of packing out meat by himself and luckily the last day he had help yeah. he would have been four days and this is what you do for your meat and now you're gonna get in your truck and you're going to go drive through McDonald's and you're going to eat an animal that one was probably tortured and treated like crap and fed a bunch of grain and given a bunch of chemicals. And then you're going to put that in your body after you just went through all of that <laughs> to get really good, high quality meat. That's the disconnect. And and no insult on anybody. Hey, we've come out of the mountains and we're just like, Oh my gosh, a hamburger a would greasy be so good. Yeah, for sure. Because you've you've built those calories up, but you know, like it's well, just it's just like uh, it's not. You try this one time, you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. eat healthier. So I'm gonna eat like a nice healthy breakfast with some eggs and avocado, like a hearty breakfast. Okay, well I did it this one day and I didn't I didn't feel better all day. Well, you've got a. It, it's not always an immediate immediate connection no it actually takes at least 21 days to you develop antibodies against food if you actually have an allergy to them and it takes over 21 days to actually clear those from your body so Mm. if you're allergic to gluten it takes over 21 days to actually clear the gluten that you just ate today from your body the antibodies that were produced for that so the typical time that you have to tell patients to eliminate these foods is at least three to four weeks. So, so if you do it for one yeah. day, there's what's called delayed reaction. You can eat gluten today, and three days from now, you can be tired, have brain fog, a rash on your body, whatever. And that's because you ate gluten three days ago, or peanuts, or dairy, or whatever you're allergic to. So even just just trying to improve your diet, you it involves patience. It involves persistence. I mean, like anything, you know, we're hunters. You think we would have this patience and persistence thing somewhat figured out? I mean, I I sure as heck don't. Um, but <laughs> it's called convenience, and yeah. this is the blessing and the curse of our modern food thing. We are not well. 
you and us here, we are not starving, okay? There are people in this country that are starving and that don't have food, or they're starving because they're poor and eating unnutritious, nutrient-depleted food. And they, these are obese people, overweight, have insulin resistance, and they come in, they have multiple nutrient deficiencies. That should not be even heard of in a country with as much food as we have, okay? But it happens. And there are people on the streets and homeless. There's people that are hungry, so I won't say that. But in this day and age, it's convenience. And food is convenient. I can walk in Bozeman, Montana, into any grocery store and find anything that I want. I can find bananas in the middle of winter. So it makes it easy, it's really hard nowadays to tell people to change their diet and cut things out. I mean, food is so convenient and so easy. I mean, what we're talking about here is ancestral living. We don't really live like that anymore. You know, our whole day doesn't revolve around finding food. Now, Ryan's days might. But most of the population is not concerned when they get out of bed how am I going to eat today? They get out of bed and they just have all this food in their fridge and all this stuff. And like, I'll just have cereal or they don't even eat it. I mean, now keto, intermittent fasting, feeding window, shortened carnivore diets. Let's fast for, and we believe in fasting. This is what our ancestors used to do. Fasting wasn't something you purposely did. Fasting was something you did because you didn't have abundance of food. And your body knew it. And your body fasted. It was like a natural rhythm and a natural mechanism that certain times of the year you ate a lot more and certain times of the year you didn't. We don't have that now. It's like total dysregulation. Our hormones, our brain hormones, our hunger hormones, everything is insulin. I mean, what's one of the top killers in the United States? Diabetes. Diabetes. And diabetes is a total insulin dysregulation from overconsumption. Our ancestors did not have diabetes. If they did, they had type 1 and they were dead because you didn't get insulin, you're dead. So that's the problem we have now. And that's what I encounter with patients. They're just like, well, what am I going to buy in the grocery store? What am I going to eat? What I, it, it's like there's so many choices now. P- people are just like, confused and they don't even know how to cook a green out of the garden like well well, how do i eat that how do i make (laughs) that and i'm like it's pretty simple you know just do this but it's remember too our sweet taste buds are developed first they're developed early and we've and we like sugar and so we because of glyc because of glucose and glycogen for our brain and we just grow up with that and everything is sugar so we don't get a good bitter taste. We don't get these other sour, bitter, these things. People, ooh, I don't like greens. Ooh, I don't like fermented food. Ooh, I don't like that. Well, that's what your ancestors were eating. They were eating, like, meat, fermented food, whole dairy, if they were eating dairy at all. You know, they were getting very little sugar in their diet. Berries, seasonally. You know, it, it's just a different world. We we are like, you know, moving into the, the most wonderful time on our planet as far as technology and advancements and knowing the human body and understanding. And 
we're going down some weird black hole of people just becoming like apathetic and over consuming and we're with these advancements we're forgetting yeah we're moving past some of the inconveniences and some of the negatives of the past but we're also abandoning what was good and healthy and beneficial to us as well Mm -hmm. Um, and we're being contaminated our food supply is contaminated so we won't even go into that right now but Oh, man. And you men out there should be concerned about this. Another thing, hunters, yo, be concerned about this because you need all those good hormones to climb those mountains. And when I have 25-year-old men coming in with hormone depletion due to just years of exposure to chemicals and poor food supply and stress and estrogens, you should be concerned about that. And we shouldn't just be sitting by complacent saying, oh, those are just tree huggers who just... You know, they want to get rid of, like, chemicals. It's like, no, those chemicals are killing you, and they're killing your manhood. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That no, was no, my no. one mom rant, was... but I just feel like so many people want to stick their head in the sand about environmental this and all that. It comes down to your our bodies. Our bodies are like the mm-hmm. planet. And we're on a cycle, just like the planet, just like the moon, just like the sun, our circadian rhythms, our sleep. Everything is dependent on that. Our yeah, hormones it, it, are dependent on that. It's extremely clear that, you know, plastics and all these added estrogens are having an effect on and us. And they no make our it. lives easier, just like, the, just like the convenience of easy, cheap food. I mean, it's so, like, yeah, what, I mean, I, think I can't. when you were talking about the food, I mean, the one thing that I look at is, you know, we've gotten to a point where we're so, we're just busy. Our lives are busy. Yeah. Our society today is just a buzz. People putting too many things on their plate, you know. Um, just so much to do, so little time. They're not cooking their meals. It's easy and it's cheap to go hit a drive through and grab the family a bunch of bags of junk and eat that. It's cheap. It's real cheap. But it's yeah, also and it's changing, though. It's not becoming that you. cheap. They're raising so, the prices slowly. Yeah, so it is. It's a convenience thing, and um, it's very understandable why people do it. Yeah. But the long-term effects are, yeah, what we're experiencing in diabetes and all these different diseases. So it's too bad. So switching gears a little bit back to something we were talking about earlier, um, talking a little bit about, you know, once again, sharing this knowledge, sharing sharing passion and everything. one of the things, you know, we had we had met before, we had talked uh, a couple of times, but kind of really how we've gotten to know each other is an upcoming project uh, that is coming back for 2020, uh, the Western Hunting Summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm helping you all out with the website, and uh, it, it, in theory, if everything works correctly, the week this podcast will be coming out... Uh, Hopefully, I think same day we should hopefully be announcing um, a little pre-sale oh, for geez. Western Hunting Summit 2020. We still got a lot to do, so uh, there's the, the stress level just raised a little bit in the room. For sure, for sure, <laughs> lots to do. But yeah, um, so you know, this I think is something that is super valuable, especially for a lot of my listeners who are maybe lacking a lot of the basic knowledge of hunting. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff, you know, 
from ground up that you may learn from family or from experience people that are coming in first time and so just let's give these folks uh a general overview of what is western hunting summit so yeah we came out with this last year we had an event in june uh, right here in bozeman montana um and what it was is basically trying to um, have somewhat of a mentorship style um, class program four-day event where we could just cover everything um, last year it was very very much tailored around just like in the name western hunting but it was more of a backcountry overall to it it was trying to get guys comfortable with the backcountry how do you find consistent success what are some of the things that'll help you um hill and i we put this thing together i i came up with a handful of presenters who i felt would be very beneficial in giving information valuable information to people and um you know and i also brought some guys in that would absolutely blow you away with these ridiculously hard workouts and um <laughs> oh, kind of show you what yeah. what are some of the things that you can do to try to get in shape for these big adventures that we take and it was a huge success it was a ton of fun uh we had spent a couple of days on the mountain for kind of a hands-on approach in the beginning uh an overnighter had llamas um mark Livesey with treeline pursuits brought his llamas so we were able to pack a pretty nice camp up on the mountain um you know we we spent time glassing for animals we saw eight to ten different black bears that that day um six different grizzlies quite a few elk we saw goats we saw mule deer it was just a fun night on the mountain um and kind of taught people a lot how to glass and and the the idea with the western hunting summit is to try to go through all these little things that are going to help you if you're a novice even if you've had some experience um there's going to be some information pieces whether it's digital scouting e-scouting maybe you're not a guy that has access to go scout your area your unit your state maybe you're coming from the east coast and you want to figure out how to tackle an area we've got we've got a presenter that's going to go walk you right through everything you can do to put you in a great spot to start your hunt um got guys like brian barney coming in if you've ever listened to Brian Barney, he's a book of knowledge with everything hunting. He's extremely successful. He's one of the most positive guys you'll ever come across, and he's just full of great information. So um, I had him there, Cody Rich. I had a, I had a whole host. I had Randy Newberg come in and talk about elk for a couple hours and some of the things that he does to find success. And the idea behind it was to try and cut anyone's learning curve by a couple years in those few days that we had with them. So it was a big success. We, I think we sent everybody away, you know, very fulfilled. They got a lot of information out of it. We got a great response um, out of that. And so, well, I mean, just even kind of, we've been going through the videos from last year and some of the video clips and there's some testimonials in there. And I mean, so much of it was like, oh man, this is amazing. I want to come back again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, I think, I think, uh, our, our videographer guy, Lee, he said that everybody that did a testimonial was pretty much like, 
I'm coming back next year. Yeah. And that, you know, whether or not they actually come back, because, you know, people have lives and stuff. And, and we had literally people from every corner of the United oh, States. from Iowa to North Texas. North Carolina, Iowa, Maryland, Washington, Oregon, California, Texas, Colorado. Like, we were shocked at the amount of people that took the time, paid the money, came here, and... It was just uh, for us to put that together and just we, we kind of did a Hail Mary. Like, you know, Ryan's had this idea. He wanted to do this. And, I, you know, we, we are like, okay, we're going to do this. And being new at it, not totally understanding it. And, and um, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. And and we, we hold it at a archery shop here in Bozeman. Um, so we can also get guys who are into archery hands-on, you know, mm-hmm. working with their form. Uh, we had Cody Rich working with people in their calling, elk calling, if they want to do that. So it was really hands-on in a lot of ways. And um, that's kind of what we're looking at this year. Again, we've got a whole new crop of presenters. Um, and we have some good presenters this year. And here's the in. other thing. I don't hunt. So I'm not going to this thing like, oh, I'm going to learn from these guys how to hunt. And I sat and listened to, to almost every – if I wasn't cooking food because we, we made food for lunch every day, I was listening to the presenters. And all of them were excellent. And all of them – for somebody who doesn't even hunt, they drew me in. Like Paul Medell, yeah. dude, that guy – like I don't know, does he like talk to elk for real? Because <laughs> – he Pretty was much. doing Paul all is. doing all these different like calls and like why the cow does this and why the and I was totally intrigued. I was sitting there watching like wow, and so that's to me for somebody who doesn't hunt and doesn't even understand this stuff. And I'm not going to go into the backcountry and utilize these tips and tactics. I learned a whole lot, and um, so. It's really fun to get these guys who are so experienced at what they do, bring them together, and then have them share their knowledge with a lot of people that saw a lot of guys there were experienced hunters. And then there was there was an intercropping of guys that literally knew nothing. One guy didn't even own a backpack and he came. And just to see like how everybody benefited from that, um I I don't know. This is like giving back, you know. This is this is how we're going this is how we're giving back to people and and Ryan has so much knowledge but but so many guys and gals out there. Um and we don't want to discriminate because we did have one gal come this year, which was awesome and we want gals to come whether it's majority of men presenting. Um they're going to they're going to benefit as much as any man's going to benefit. And, and honestly, it's a really safe space, too, because I say safe space. Like, I don't know. I know people don't like, but whatever, safe space. <laughs> is this safe a safe space? space? But, you know, sometimes yeah. the thing with women is they're like, I don't feel comfortable bringing up my questions around men. This is what I hear because I'm the woman and the women will say this. They may not necessarily say this to Ryan, you know. They'll say, I don't really feel comfortable bringing up my question around men. And so... We want women to know that they need to come and they need to ask their questions and they need to be part of it because it's not like men, like my husband or any of the guys that were there are being discriminatory in any way. It's just that 
they're used to being more with men, and men hunt more. And well, we, this is just information. It doesn't matter information. what sex you are. It's just yeah. information. It's good information from presenters who've got a lot of experience on the mountain. It's just good information. It, it doesn't discriminate. So that that's that's all we want. We just want. Um, the best information given out, the most important information, whatever's going to help people mm-hmm. cut through um, all the grief of learning um, in the early years where it's difficult and it's frustrating. You know, we want people to get into this, have success, and continue the success, be able to fill their freezer every year. And um, a lot of the most important conversations come aside from the presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, time on the mountain when you're hiking next to somebody on the trail or you get to a spot take a break or at your camp spot for that night that we have up there or the next morning you know those are some of the most valuable conversations that some of the attendees have had or even while we're at you know um, big sky archery there and somebody's presenting we have intermissions um, lunch all kinds of conversations go off on the side so you're able to get a hold of anybody you want to any one of those presenters and ask your questions. Um, we do a roundtable style at a certain point where any questions you have, you just ask. But I want all the pre- presenters to be on hand, available for anybody to talk to. It's a small group. I think, you know, if you don't like, and I'm one of those guys, if there was 100 people there, I'd be a little bit uncomfortable just asking what I think could be silly questions. It's going to be a small group of people. Um, with presenters there to answer any and all questions. And this year, it's a little bit different. Uh, uh, you kind of split in, splitting it out a little bit more. Right. Um, so specific, species-specific on this one. We're doing a kind of a late spring bear uh, summit. We're doing a mule deer summit and then a elk-specific summit, three different summits. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, as you said, it's definitely, you know, I'm, I've kind of been privy to the, the lineup a bit early and, um, it's, I mean, you know, from all I've seen, it is definitely, as you said, it's the most consistently successful people, uh, you know, that people would recognize. Yes. There's, there's always somebody out there that's that you know getting it done every year sure but the the people that that will be recognized and Mm -hmm. um you know and i i don't uh, hopefully you know we should be announcing this at the same time and if not i'll cut this part out but you know generally uh you know i know you've got some exciting new people coming on and without Mm -hmm. saying any names you know you may not become the ultimate predator by coming to this this course, but you'll probably get some help closing the distance. That's right? for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Good way to put it. <laughs> Joking now about we, that one earlier. We've got some presenters um, that were with us last year. We've also got some new ones that a lot of people requested yeah, from our survey we, last we year. Yeah, we got a survey and yeah. we got a lot of requests, and we tried really hard to get those requests fulfilled. And then some of the just the guys... Um, maybe not they're maybe they're not the most heard of people out there, but they are consistent, and I think that's the most important piece. Um, that's kind of how I want to be, and that's how I want the presenters to be. Consistency. Maybe it's not every hunt, but every year they're getting it done. They're accomplishing their goals, and there's a reason why they're accomplishing those goals. They have something, and that's what I want. Those are the people I want presenting and and sharing information for others to be 
consistently successful as well. And I mean, here's the deal. You know, we'll all invest, you know, several hundred bucks in a pair of boots. Several, you know, it's for Western hunters especially. You know, you'll invest, I mean, what, anywhere between 250 to $400 on a pair of boots-ish, even more. You'll invest $600 in a pack system, you know, $500 on a, a tent, uh, you know, another couple hundred dollars on a sleep system. I mean, the thousands sleep are system. adding up. Yeah, My wife's not sure. supposed to be privy to this. And, uh, Sam? I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I know, I'm not, I know I'm not speaking now, about me. anything that Ryan is, but everybody. I, I have Ryan seen is much more frugal the, uh, than I. I have seen the, uh, <laughs> um, these hunting space now. I, I get it. But, you know, you go through this stuff and it starts adding up. And, yeah, you build this stuff up over the years, but you spend this money on gear. You spend this money on even, you know, whatever, buying Time. new arrows, trying new broadheads. There's so much to spend money on. And you, then you drop, you know, as a non-resident coming here to Montana. This is – Montana's an expensive state to hunt when you don't live here. Oh, it's over $1,000 um, And there's, there's combo, cheaper places so, to yeah. go, but, you know, you invest this money in a tag and all this gear, and you don't invest in yourself – yeah, you may spend some time shooting, you research online, but, you know, what's what's a bigger waste of money? Spending three years not filling tags or spending a little bit of ec- extra one year and filling your tags every single year? Right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, time, effort, and money spent um, when you're just getting into it. There's just a lot of information you don't have. So finding success can take years. It can take a lot of years. Uh, when you look at the numbers, um, even elk hunting as a whole, I mean, typically it's 10% of the elk guys are consistent. Um, and, and that's pretty consistent throughout a lot of states. So, um, yeah, investing in knowledge and cutting, cutting the learning curve, it's, I think it's dollars well spent um, myself. And, you know... I was fortunate growing up. I had a mentor in the beginning to teach me, and I learned at a young age, and it's just a steady progression. But um, realizing a lot of people don't have that, they're just getting into it, they're just starting out, there's a big learning curve when it comes to this Western big game hunting. And um, there's a lot of information that's going to help them out. So, You know, it's and I'm no authority one way or the other, but from everything I've seen, just from what we've talked about, there's no better resource for somebody that that says, you know, whether you've been hunting for your whole life, but, you know, maybe you've been on the East Coast and and you're like, you know what, I want to I want to go chase some elk or, you know, and or maybe you're like me where you're just, you know, you've just gotten into it and you're like, oh, hell yeah. No, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. Um or you just want to get better, or you've been doing it for decades, and you're like, you know what, I'm, I, I get one, you know, one out of every three years, every other year, something like that. There is no better resource. I mean, you, uh, these online courses are amazing. Books are amazing, and I can't recommend them enough. I've learned so much from videos and books and online courses, but nothing will ever replace the one-on-one, getting your specific questions answered, having someone like point something out to you when you're glassing Mm -hmm. like that's it opens up a whole new world of things for you sure um so you know i i really can't those of you that are listening that want to 
really have the chance to become more consistently successful yeah i mean you can't guarantee somebody's going to fill their tag every year but you can push them a lot further down that road y'all need to make sure you check this out western hunting summit there's a pre-sale going up uh Mm -hmm. it is your best opportunity to get the lowest price also putting up some combo packages if you want to do multiple Mm -hmm. species um and it is also the only opportunity to take advantage of the payment plan because, I mean, it's not – it's an investment, and it is an investment in yourself. So if you pick up passes during the presale, you can break it up into four easy payments, which are a lot <laughs> <laughs> a lot nicer to spread I to love spread having our out. IT guy do a podcast <laughs> on it. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean – We've we've also come to realize, you know, Ryan and I have done a lot of this ourselves in the past three years or however long we've been doing this now. And it's a lot of work, you know, to put these things together Mm -hmm. is like pull your hair out crazy, like trying to cover all the bases. And the fact that we pulled it off last year and not only that, we made great friends. We were really happy with with what came of it. Um and we provided a lot of education for people of all different levels. It's like now we're, we're at that point where we're like, you know, we need a team of people to help us make sure that this is all working right so that we can continue to provide great content and we can have the best speakers and, like, you know, everybody can learn from each other. So, man, having somebody like you is like you're saving my life right now let me (laughs) tell you it's awesome and the website looks amazing and if anybody out there needs website work (laughs) like get a hold of sam because he really knows what he's doing so i'm gonna plug you right there just because i think it's it's awesome i am Um, okay with that and, and on a side note um you know we talked about the education piece of it uh it's also it's just a fun time, man. It's a good experience. Like we, we, uh, we head up the mountain early in the morning and, you know, we hike a minimum of five miles wherever, however far we can get up to. Um, and we're glassing along the way and we're glassing at our destination. Well, you're treating it somewhat like it's, it's very similar to a hunt. You know, we're, we're packing the snacks that we would, uh, take on a hunt. We're testing gear. We're talking about gear. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of showing guys areas that we would camp at certain places and stuff like that. And, and yeah, the glassing and how we would treat, you know, a bull or whatever that we're looking at. How do we go about getting that bull? Um, those little kind of things that, I mean, it's just fun. It's just a lot of fun. You know, I think last year's event, we did 12 miles. Um, it wasn't the longest hike in the world, but for two days, um, I think a lot of guys had some adventure in that you know there's a bunch of crit crossings and uh it's just a fun time so i think a lot of people enjoyed that part of it was the mountain time not just the uh if you want to call it class time or you know but yeah we're you know we provide good food um lunches uh dinner on that on the hike and everything and then i was gonna say it's food friends. yeah we had birch barrels there making food and um brinker singing you know right at the campfire it was really cool and we're gonna do a similar to that this year as well so well y'all make sure you head on over to westernhuntingsummit.com check out the pre-sale uh this is gonna be a limited time pre-sale so Mm -hmm. make sure y'all this is the only way it sold out last year 
confirming again, it's this event sold out last year. Mm-hmm. So if this is something you think you may want to do, hop on this because once again, best price you're going to get, only chance to take advantage of, you know, splitting up those payments into a payment plan. And to be honest, there's a good chance it'll sell out, uh, you know, before before the, the the even the the main general on sale. So make sure y'all hop on that. Um, get some get some passes. It's gonna be it's. I mean, if nothing else, if you love hunting, it's another excuse to show up, learn, and talk about hunting. <laughs> and and you get to come to Bozeman, the amazing Bozeman, Montana, Montana in June. During the meal there at the Yellowstone. I was going to say, it doesn't so. get better it's than that. It's a great that, place, yeah. Yeah, it's a great place to come. And Okay, so. All right. Uh, one thing I always like to end with is, you know, someone like myself, you know, maybe maybe they've uh, run, uh, been watching you guys run into you at an expo or something and or just run into you in town and they're like, you know. This stuff all sounds really interesting. I love the idea of hunting. I'm, you know, I'm excited about the mountains, but I just didn't grow up with this. There's so much to learn, you know. I don't know. It's just it's too intimidating for me, but I like the idea of it. You know, what maybe words of inspiration, encouragement would you give that person, you know, to really encourage them that they could do it? Maybe, Hill, if you want to go first. <laughs> Well, um, since I don't do it, I don't know. My words of encouragement might be more related to. um, So I do have words of encouragement maybe for the spouses or to the women or the men who don't hunt and have spouses who do is to just be patient and understanding and to make sure that you are also doing what you love to do if you don't love to hunt you while your partner's doing what they love to do you do what you do and that will make it easier for you a lot of people struggle with this this a lot of women especially struggle with their partners being gone and doing this um and so i would say that for those people and then like we were talking about before you only have one body and your body's your vehicle, and it's what's going to get you up the mountain. It's what's going to do these things for you. So I would say if you do anything, you know, whether it's baby steps or f- full-on diving head deep in, you know, start taking care of your body. That's probably would be my recommendation because I do see how hard, especially Western hunting. If we're, if we're talking Western hunting, I I see how hard it is on your body and how well you do need to be aware and tune into how your body feels and how you're treating it. You know, don't disassociate what you put in your body and what you do to your body from how your body's reacting to you. Um, but I don't know. Just start mm-hmm. doing something. Just, you know, take care of yourself somehow. Mm-hmm. Eat better. Start exercising some. Get more sleep. <laughs> Which a lot of people don't do. One of these days. Yeah, well, I'm talking to myself there, so. But I, I don't know. Um, Ryan's the hunter, so he probably has a better. What would you if somebody kind of came up to you and said, "Man, what you do is awesome," and I, I'd love to do that, but I don't know, man. I don't think I'm capable of something like that. It's a lot to chew off. Yeah, I, man. I think uh, for somebody who hasn't done it, but they have 
like this inkling that maybe they want to try it or start somewhere. I mean, I, honestly, I think find someone who's done it, who loves it, who has a passion for it and can mentor you in a way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, whether that's adult onset, whether that's a kid, um, uh, teenager, whatever age that you just want to get into it, it's find someone who absolutely loves being outdoors, uh, whether that's in fishing, whether that's in hunting or camping or whatever, just hiking, and find someone who has a lot of knowledge in that, and that's going to it's going to have you give you a, provide you a better experience a more positive experience if you're not just fumbling through it and putting yourself in jeopardy in the mountains and uh, what i wouldn't recommend is going on a solo <laughs> week-long hunt <laughs> with poor gear and not knowing what in grizzly how country. to navigate <sighs> and where you're at and all those things i would definitely recommend and again I, i've said this a few times i was fortunate to have mentors they taught me, they, they took me through all those baby steps in the beginning. They made it fun for me. That grows on you. You want to do it more, and the, the ball keeps rolling. And then eventually you're out there on your own um, for an overnighter, and eventually you're at 10 days. <laughs> but that's not and, for everyone. And eventually you're at two uh, weeks, and eventually uh, you're like. <laughs> it's not going to be for a lot of people. Um, and hey, and if thing, you can't find a mentor, make sure you sign up for Western. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. But there's a lot of people out there that have a passion for the outdoors. Yeah. Um, hunting, fishing, camping, you name it. And uh, I'm sure there's more than enough people that would be willing to give some of their time up and share that with someone else who wants to get into it. Awesome. So if uh, people wanted to follow along online, uh, where can they find you where can they find hunter harvest health so yeah the well for me i'm i guess i'm mostly on ig these days uh the healthy hunter stealthy (laughs) hunter (laughs) with an h uh sth um stealthy hunter ig we do the hunt harvest health as well huntharvesthealth.com um westernhuntingsummit.com um bent herbalist hemp dot com you got all we didn't the talk about cbd but we do do cbd um and yeah we try our best you know we're 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 a two-person team we're adding more people we we do have some great contributors our, i would i will plug our website and our recipes our stories our blogs if you like to read um, Joe and Emily, they're contributors from Pennsylvania, so they're they're kind of in the other world. Um, we do have a great blog on there from Joe, who came to Western Hunting Summit, about his experience afterwards doing it or doing a DIY bear hunt. Um, and they've really been great contributors. So go there if you want to see that. We we've done some writing on there in the beginning too, but um, we just love this community. We want to make this community healthier 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 that's called a late and and too much uh, moonshine um we want to make this community community healthier um and that's by just helping people understand you know how important these really simple things are and and um that you're already halfway there you know when you're when you're hunting you're already halfway there so you can do the rest. And the other thing is, is um, nobody's perfect. 
So you just do your best, you know. But there we go. On that, I thank you guys so much. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for living with one. us, Sam. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> you've become a great addition to the. Yeah. See you tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like. I'll be, I'll be sitting. Oh in the, my gosh! I. will be sitting I'm at the counter. I'm hoping I can sleep <laughs> in. Yeah, you might be up before me. I'm hoping that would be my dream uh, tomorrow. But. And he's so. got the full routine of uh, letting the dogs in and out when they. Ask there we go. For okay, it. Yeah, I, I remember when I first showed up. I'm like, am I allowed to like let the dogs out? And I'm like, all right, you're in open. And you're back in. <laughs> He's figured out the locks on our doors. Well, I apologize that tonight you're uh, gonna have to sleep in the princess bed again. But yeah, it's a comfy princess bed, and I don't have to worry about falling out after I've had a couple of moonshine. So <laughs> <laughs> on that note, maybe I need to sleep in the princess I'm, bed. I'm hitting the stop button on this one. Okay. <laughs> All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 121 of the Wild Initiative. Another enormous thank you to Ryan and Hillary for not only sitting down with me to record an episode, but also taking me in for such a long period of time and putting up with me as an extended house guest. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 121. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode, especially to the Western Hunting Summit website. Make sure y'all pick up your pre-sale passes. It is the lowest price you can get them at. The only time you can take advantage of the payment plan and split that cost into four equal monthly payments. Also, y'all make sure you check out the Go Wild app. Again, that's thewildinitiative.com slash go wild. Check out my profile and join pretty much the coolest community of hunters, anglers, and outdoorsmen and women on the planet. Again, that's thewildinitiative.com slash go wild. Go download the app. And finally, for my bearded brethren, make sure y'all head on over to livebearded.com and check out all of the awesome and incredible smelling products to help you tame that mane. Remember, as a special offer to my podcast listeners, if you use code TWI10, you get 10% off your order, and you also still get those entries into the cash giveaway. That'll do it for this week, y'all. I'm excited to talk to you again next week, but in the meantime... I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to the Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. So yeah, however you, you guys want to... You want to introduce us? Well, I want to hear I'll, from the both I'll of you. Oh. You're gonna have to, you are okay. going to have to talk on this podcast. I'm oh, not going to let you get really? away with right. just being the color guy. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> on Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.